Welcome to The Look Back, the newest podcast hosted by former journalist turned media executive and host Keith Newman. The Look Back provides insights, tips, and maybe a few laughs during a free-flowing conversation on that roller coaster ride that reflects the past, present, and future of the Silicon Valley and tech. Hey, it's really good to hear your voice. I mean, it's been a while since we talked. You know, I follow you on social and we text a little bit, mm-hmm. but it's very refreshing to see your face and hear your voice. And uh, it's quite nostalgic. You know, it's been it's been a little while. No, no, I, I there's there's a handful of people that I totally admire. And, uh, you know, you're at the top of the list. So, you know, <laughs> it, you know that anything you want to do and you don't even have to use anything I do. You could just uh, um, make me feel good. And, you, know, uh, <laughs> you know, it's funny. And in all candor, sometimes I would. I would just follow people, make them feel good and say some nice things here and there. Because, you know, what's wrong with being nice, you know? Yeah. But I love your shit. I mean, <laughs> it's just, yeah. look, I have a serious place in my heart for people who are homeless and have lost their way in one way or another. We know there are a myriad of reasons for that. And and just like that, there's there's like a whole bunch of people with their solutions, but where do we really go? Where are we really seeing the evidence of an impact? I know we do some good, but I wanna see more of, of, of that. So I continue to salute your work. And you know, again, I'll see some more of it and I'm gonna try to share some of this when I launch some of the content that I'm doing. So we'll get, you know, you'll see some of the fruits of this, but um, I kind of, I kind of wanted to take the conversation in a different direction, just for starters, before we get too trailed off, we'll go back a little bit. I mean, I'm still kind of processing the news of Fry's kind of just shut down their doors, you know, completely um, closed retail and not like, you know, they didn't even do the sell down kind of a thing, you know, uh, the, up here, I don't know about down there, but uh, it's kind of the end of an era, one that we've seen coming for a while, I guess. But uh, it's fun to chat with a person like you to have to have a little perspective on that. I'm sure you you internalize that a little bit. Mm. Well, my first observation is that Fry shut down in one day, and Apple opened up all their stores across the country in one day. That's funny, and, you're right. You know, and- uh, Reopened after, yeah, the pandemic, sure. After yeah, the, and- the Green light to reopen. And, and you know, I'm, I'm a living example of, of uh, what a large company like Apple can do uh, to you. And, uh, um, and, I, and I had issues with Fry's. Fry's really copied my format and uh, and that was uh, that was interesting they uh, you know Kathy Colder was a good friend and and uh, uh, I truly had a good relationship with her and John Fry but David Fry uh, was uh, that's enough to make you really really hate a competitor and uh, you know, I, and I remember once flying up to uh, my, my store in San Jose and, you know, with the flights, you get there early. So Fry's just had opened one in Sunnyvale or whatever. So I, I uh, went by, take a look and I'm going up and down the aisle and I'm writing down the price points on 
on the newest stuff and things that uh, things that we had in common and and uh, and they had you know a large percentage of them were, were kind of Asian and and Indian people and they 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 move skittishly you know and they're going up and down and they're trying to help me and then they're spying on me and then pretty soon here comes David Fry <laughs> and he basically uh, you know that was our one and only meeting and he basically physically removed me from the building I mean it was that that uh, what, what, what are we talking about now we're talking in the 70s right no that would be uh, 82 83 okay you know and uh, uh, but you know there was no internet and then with the with the internet no you were among the first like really taking the approach of I'm going to sell these computers out of a retail storefront and not try to be in a corporate office. And, uh, you know, the, first of all, there were the bite shops, of course, and you knew those guys quite well. But we're talking about the beginning of that first wave of selling computers, PCs, um, you know, to bit small businesses and, and hackers and, you know, play gamers and all that. Well, I, I was before even that because... Um, being a semiconductor guy and coming out of from National Semiconductor and Fairchild and I, I kind of saw yeah. things happening and I, I had a, st a stint with a distributor because I wanted to learn a little bit about the distribution part and they happened to distribute general instruments and, and general instruments was the first one to come out with a with a one chip solution for Pong. And uh, uh, people were just starting to get on board about Pong and everything. And, and uh, I, had, I had one of my engineers uh, put together a kit for a Pong set, which uh, would sell for $39.95. And, uh, and I did that while I was still working for this uh, uh, distributor and uh, but I would I, I put a little small ad in bite you know maybe a three thousand dollar ad and and boom I had you know like uh, three four hundred orders and <laughs> and uh, and then GI terminated my agreement for twenty five thousand chips oh. so I've got eighty thousand dollars sitting in the bank of other people's money and I can't get the chips. So that experience opened me up to the, the Far East and about uh, uh, finding ways to procure products that are uh, kind of a gray market sort of approach. So I, I, I established a relationship with the Philippine manufacturer who was one of the five that General Instruments were going to sell this chip to, right? And uh, so, so uh, I made an arrangement. Uh, he he charged me about four times what I was paying General Instruments. He charged me like twenty bucks a piece. And I met him at the airport and LAX. He, he and he'd be sitting there in the lobby with a cigar box full of parts with everything shaved off the top. 
<laughs> and meaning the, the brand name, right? Yeah, the first transaction, I gave him uh, $20,000 cash. Nice. And I had no idea if any of those are really the right part or the right thing. It would but, work. Right? But it, it, it worked. So then uh, uh, I, was, I was able to um, uh, get involved in the gray market. And the gray market in those days, so there's always a gray market, but in semiconductor world, it was really a, an incredible uh, dark period when, when people were getting arrested for getting bribes from purchasing agents at, you know, Sylvania and Raytheon and everybody was on the take. And, uh, and so, so the worst thing you wanted to have on your, your resume was that you dealt in the gray market and, and uh, so uh, when I did my very, very first catalog, I had a picture of the Pong guy on the front and then I called it advanced microcomputer products. And there was a picture of the chip and the catalog was almost all Pong. And then I, I put a little introduction in there and I said, uh, thank you for shopping with us and sign my name, David Mann, M-A-N-N, okay? Because I didn't want anybody to know yeah. that I was turning into a gray market guy. <laughs> Pong at that time was property of Atari, am I right? Yeah, yeah. Atari. And there, there, was, there, there was Interstate and there was, um, you know, several that came out with the Pong, but General Instruments had the only chip. Yeah, interesting. And, uh, so well, I, still, I still sell that chip today. I still have some. But, holy moly, what a, yeah. what a deal on that. Um, yeah. Well, hopefully you've turned the inventory a few times since the uh, LAX meeting. <laughs> uh, yeah, I, uh, I, I really lost track of, of that that man and and uh and then you know through through the years i've made so many trips to the orient that uh yeah. I, I would i always wanted to go by and see him and see his operation see what he does but i never had a chance and and that would have been in the philippines but, well, it's uh, interesting. the chip the chip industry has gone through a million gyrations but somehow i mean it's still a huge battle between uh, innovation here and in China and, and, and places in between. It's, um, it's, yeah. it's you know, the song well, remains I, the same. I, <laughs> I, uh, I, I got a real education uh, with the semiconductor people and, yeah. and, and they were people that really helped me in my career. So Dave, ACP was a, was a legendary place. It was a little combination, right. Of like uh, selling computers, selling, you know, kits, selling software, selling shit in baggies, selling stuff out of, you know, front door, side door. But you also had a passion for the product. That was always very clear. How did you, you know, look at it when things started to get real crazy, like computer lands on every street corner, and then there was business lands pop. What was your take in the middle of that? And it was really was the wave of the PC revolution, right? Mm -hmm. um, the popularization of the IBM and Microsoft and Intel and those big behemoths 
that that rode the wave and then there was apple out there on the uh its own wave how how did you look at it and how did you play in that game well um i was i was uh kind of early in that whole process i opened uh acp technology center in san jose uh in 1982 and that was the first superstore and then I hired a, a, a really respected guy out of National Semiconductor, Tom Anthony, to run the store and also to um, open up. Our goal was to have uh, a superstore in all the all the, the West states, and uh, uh, and so step one, it was going to be. Uh, the IBM um, franchise. And Businessland then, a short time after we opened, maybe six months they opened, and and also Computerland was trying to dominate the world by having a store on every corner. The franchise model, yeah. Right. And IBM's model was they wanted a, a a store on every corner, but Businessland squeezed in and they got a franchise from IBM. So, so here we are with the, at that time we had four stores and, and we did get an IBM franchise for a while. Yeah. But, uh, you know, you, you pay a heavy price for it because it just takes all of your energy and the people keep changing within IBM yeah. and you don't have a common place, you know, like of somebody that's going to, that knows you, you got to re-educate them all the time and you can really lose track. And, uh, but uh, business land totally copied our model, David Norman and uh, Enzo. Uh, huh? Enzo. Uh, yeah. He worked there too. Yeah. He was the, his right-hand man and the, uh, so, so, uh, uh, and then Computerland, you know, they went away and Businessland went away. Oh, but those were amazing stories in and of themselves too. I mean, you all, you all created quite the chapter for the, uh, the book of the PC revolution, but people seem to remember Microsoft, Intel, IBM, and Apple, but I'm here to tell you, Computerland, Businessland, Fry's, ACP, uh, were pretty strong building blocks, pretty fundamental in that story and how that product got delivered to that customer. And, and, right. and in a way, um, what's amazing, people don't remember things like your shop and the bite shops and that, that those big behemoth brands started off in the PC industry is very small. Mm -hmm. And that at a certain point, they whole build your own brand that had no name associated with it was the most popular product sold. Yeah. yeah. Amazing it, uh, to think back today, right? Because everything you know, everything's branded. Well, the way things unfolded, um, you know, I was a disciple of everybody's going to have a computer in their home. And for years, I mean years, as I traveled and 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 created the, 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 the diversified inventory that we had, I always had conversations with people and, 
and I would tell them, you know, in a few few months or maybe quicker, you're going to have a computer in your home. And they would kind of step back and kind of distance themselves and uh, really look at me, you know, and kind of like, well, where is this guy coming from? I mean, is that obtuse? Yeah. And uh, uh, and even uh, when I left National, and then I opened up ACP, and then I get I, I got uh, the Apple franchise and that. Then uh, one of the guys at at uh, National, uh, Gene Carter, who was their brought they brought him on as their vice president of sales from from National, okay. he called me and said, hey, come on up, I, I wanna buy you lunch, okay? So I flew up, I'm always up there anyway because I have a store up there. And and uh, he said, tell me about the personal computer marketplace and Apple computer, you know? And uh, he said, is that real? And uh, I said, well, I've been, I've been to their uh, location, it's not all that, uh, impressive you know it's just a industrial thing just like Paul Terrell had at the bite shop you know and and uh, they got people running around there and but I think it's for real it's going to really really break wide open and and so he then he joined he joined Apple and uh, and then they 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 liked that one so well they contacted me and wanted me to find somebody else. So I got, they, they, they hired Phil Roy, Royball, who's a really nice guy and Julie's his wife. And, and uh, so I got him a position there. I'm not in the, the, that business, but uh, it just kind of worked out that way. Sure. And, uh, and then when Apple decided that there was too much competition, I guess, amongst mail order companies, and uh, uh, and they decided that hmm, they, they may want to be in that business someday too. And also the same thing with superstores because they uh, uh, because they changed their contract when Gene Carter got there, and the and they sent out an addendum and it said that Apple has. They could change the contract in any way in 10 days, 10 days notice. On day 11, they eliminated mail order and they, and they dictated that every computer sold by a retailer would require face-to-face -face meeting. I remember and, that. I okay? remember that. Yeah. And that was all done by Gene Carter. Gosh, you're a good friend. And, uh, <laughs> and I, I had, I had just released my best catalog I've done, and I yeah. did several. But yeah. One with a, a twenty-page color, full-color Apple insert. Wow. Okay. And, and, and then I was told that I could only sell face to face. This special podcast series is sponsored by Estrella.com. If you need cap table software, check them out at Estrella.com. And SASMAX, for those SaaS companies looking to build the optimal channel of partners and resellers, 
Leverage the best platform out there at sasmax.com. You, did you run afoul of the law of Apple Computer or did you abide? Oh, no, we abide, abided by the, the, the policy, but then I, I, a group was formed by uh, oh, the gentleman uh, that owned old Francis, uh, was his first name, Olympic Sales, where they're big mail order yeah, yeah. calculators and and uh, Francis uh, put together five of us and we sued Apple. So, so, uh, and basically trade. for restraint of trade. Yeah, and, yeah. Uh, and the Robinson Patent Act, and uh, and uh, unfortunately Reagan was uh, in power then, and uh, he could give a shit. So, uh, <laughs> so we we actually lost in a summary judgment. In other words, it didn't even get out of the yeah, judge's yeah. office, uh, uh, and and cost us all. It cost me a lot of money. I, I think uh, that our legal fees were getting close to like a half a million dollars. So, uh, so it was. Uh, but it turned out that it was kind of impossible for them to to really enforce it. It was just yeah. uh, a way for them to eliminate a lot of major players. Yep. And uh, and to get some of uh, the things going that that they felt were was important. I, one little fun story though, right at that time I wanted to test them out, and I got a call from a friend in uh, 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 let's see, it, I got a call from a friend in. Uh, um, not Bhutan, but but right next to Bhutan, and they were going to. They wanted help putting in twenty Apple IIs in an educational center for their people, gotcha. which was like a. I mean, this is a step forward for for them, and and so I was involved in that. And then I called Apple and I said, "Okay, what do I do? I I want to ship twenty units to uh, Vietnam, uh, essentially. Pardon, Vietnam." Not Vietnam. Um, uh, not Malaysia. Not Kuala Lumpur. No, not Kuala Lumpur. I know uh, you said you've sold in all those markets, though. Yeah, no, I did, and uh, it doesn't matter where. Yeah, uh, but um, what did they say? So they they sent me a cashier's check, and I shipped them twenty units, and. And uh, and then I, I I said, well, how come how come I, I, there was no face to face there? Yeah. So there were a lot of problems with, uh, right. with, Not with uh, what was going on with Apple, and and then Bill Campbell came in, and things didn't get any better. And and uh, he had his favorites, and yeah. and uh, felt had kind of a power trip, and now he can deal with it up above. Okay, so he's right no longer with us and it was a nice guy and and was oh, nice yeah. to me but but uh it just really rubs you raw when you when you're when you're putting together a team to really support you know the big names compact yeah. ibm yeah. Uh, and apple and and they just made it so difficult yeah but 
But then there were some that came in that were just had no chance right from the get go, like deck. Yeah. Right? So deck comes yeah. in with a rainbow. Uh, I remember deck. I remember uh, Wang. Wang and uh, um, Texas yeah. Instruments. Data General. Yeah, so Data big, General. All the big back east guys came yeah. in. And then do you remember there was the Japanese wave with Hitachi and Fujitsu? Um, yeah. A lot of those guys came in with really nice looking uh, notebook, laptop kind of products. But, but you know, they got in. Acer, I guess, is still around, though. They, they stayed in and, and they're doing yeah. fairly and Xerox, well. Xerox tried, but that was a little later. But, yeah. uh, but, so uh, what, when we look back on all these, I mean, so many memories. I mean, it's ridiculous, right? So, we, so, so much change. You you sat in the catbird seat because you're doing a combination of business negotiations and dealings with, you know, these companies in that hyper growth, hyper change state where everything was just Apple's going out of business. No, they're taking over the world. IBM's in the industry. Oh, they're going to leave the PC industry. And everyone had a great product and then a flub. <laughs> yeah. Right. Yeah. I mean, pick a name. We could go through all of them and they all had something amazing. And then they all stepped on themselves, you know, not even competitive issues, just screwed it up themselves. What's yeah, your, sure. what are your favorite stories? Looking back, what do you like to. It's my favorite stories. Um, let's see. I, I took, I made a few notes. Okay. Cause I knew you were going to ask me that question, but, <laughs> um, uh, just being being part of the, the the personal computer revolution was a ride perhaps never available to anybody again. So many doubters, mistakes, and raw risks. It was hard not to win. As if you had a new concept, there will be a market for it. The people were accessible and became lifelong friends. Uh, so. So that was a special time, you know. No question. You have a marketing idea, put it out there. You don't massage it, massage it. You put it out there, and guess what? They worked. And uh, it, it, uh, it really was cool. But, but I, I have uh, some, some other memories, which I think are pretty special. Hit me. Hit me with a couple. Okay. So... Uh, Jim Warren uh, started the West Coast Computer Fair. I went. I went one year. Yeah, did you? Yeah, I met Philippe Kahn. But go ahead. I don't want to interrupt yeah. your story. Yeah, Philippe Kahn. Uh, he was on my uh, TV show up in in San Jose when we had the computer hotline, and uh, <laughs> right. and uh, also That's he great. was he was in uh, the picture that that was on CRN. Uh, of the top PC people. Oh yeah. And I was, I was, uh, I was there, and I was next to Esther Dyson, and then Philippe, and um, John Roach from Tandy, and uh, Luis uh, Gasse from from Apple. So right. We were all caricatured on the on the front of that, and that was uh, that was a cool thing. But but Jim is still a really good friend, and he's 
wheelchair bound and has a nice wife that takes care of him and and uh he's a, he's a, a you know we we talk on on social media and we see things eye to eye which is kind of fun these days and yeah and uh at, when it was at the civic center in san francisco jim would at, at the last day would come up and down the aisles on roller skates now he's in a wheelchair okay <laughs> i mean it's not fair is it um but uh at, they had to move it to moscone uh the third year i think and and so I'm man, I, we, we put in a real nice booth loaded with product. And so we're right on the ground level. And here comes Timothy Leary with Annie Lennox and Robin Williams. Oh, God. And so I, I, I usually shied away from helping people, but I, I, I nudged up and said, yeah, can I help you? And we had just great conversation. And, and uh, <laughs> they were just so, it was so wonderful. And then Larry says, yeah, I, I'm, I'm gonna buy my friend, Robin, a, a new disk drive. His disk, you don't have a disk drive for his Apple. We gotta get him going. So I sold him <laughs> a Apple disk uh, two and, uh, and we, uh, you know, took his check and the check, you know, went through the bank and, uh, you know, it was uh, a really cool deal. And then they turned around and walked out of the, the place. <laughs> and uh, uh, so the the other thing that, that we had, which I, you know, we had a lot of firsts, you know, which is not always good, but we were the first, uh, uh, computer store or or computer operation to have its own TV show, and uh, uh, so we did it once a week, and we'd have thirty minutes of new product information, which which uh, is usually sponsored by HP or right. or Apple or or whatever, and then we'd have thirty minutes of call in, mm -hmm. and uh, some and I. I I hosted a, a, a couple, but our main host was uh, Manny Lucero, and I haven't talked to Manny in a long time. I hope he's doing okay. He had a few health issues, uh, but uh, he he was the dream techie. He just knew everything, and and so a regular call in was uh, was all, was from uh, uh, Steve Wozniak, and. Uh, and invariably, when Steve would call in, then you'd hear all the cat calls coming in from from Steve Jobs and these guys, you know, that working late at night and sitting around. And it was just great. It's just like uh, was so beautiful. We did that for two years, and then we had to shut it down because, you know, I think that the package, uh, you know, what went up from like a factor of ten. You know, because uh, because it was working for them. So, um, well, Dave, no question, you had a great long run. I mean, on the computer side, it's interesting to think. I mean, what would you have done differently looking back now? Because, I mean, 
you did you did a lot of firsts because you're an innovator because you mm-hmm. like to try new things. You're bored with the status quo and the traditional. Mm-hmm. So what would you have done differently given all of those factors? Well, I, I think about that every now and then and hopefully with some of the things that I'm working on today. But uh, um, I was... Uh, I think I was at a disadvantage in the early days as there were so many opportunities. In fact, many uh, younger entrepreneurs, kids out of college had, had nothing to lose. So, so they jumped in and they would raise a million dollars and then they'd, they'd leverage that and they would just go f- for broke. And um, so, so uh you know, they basically their mentality was, well, I had nothing when I started. So if I can play with other people's money and just do push it higher than I could. Um, and they all these guys just sailed right by me, you know, so uh, uh, I was probably way too cautious uh, after after about four or five years when, you know, all of a sudden I, I had a net worth of, uh, you know, several million dollars. And, and, uh, so, uh, that was, uh, yeah, but would you have opened more stores? Would you have gotten into like developing your own brand of computer or do you, I did, you know, I eventually did have my own brand, but yeah, I remember that too. Yeah. But, uh, no, I would have, uh, I would have gone to, uh, you know, a hundred thousand square foot facility and just started turning product in and out. Just especially during the crazy times. Now we only have to go to Amazon, I guess. You would have started an Amazon store, uh, no doubt too, if you were um, in that mode. But let me ask you this, when you look back at all the people you met and and the people you watched, we mentioned names like Philippe Kahn or Bill Gates or Waz and Jobs. Who do you admire when you look back on those folks? Who did you go, this guy, he really had it dialed in. I really enjoyed the lessons he brought to the business or how he presented himself or how they behaved. Well, I, I would, uh, you know, I would put uh, Mark Cuban at the, the head of the pack as far as breaking into a, a, a new project out of having a, lowly computer store in Dallas and uh, the famous uh, Novell netware reseller. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) And people don't even believe that story. Like we knew him back in the day though. He was a great guy and I agree with you. I admire him greatly. Yeah. And I, uh, and I also, also uh, I'll bring Charlie Humphreys into this too, because. Oh, uh, Charlie. Yeah. We, uh, there were these PIP conferences that uh, Computer Software News put put on yep. that were really the, the some of the most amazing people in and the and and it had such a uh, impact on everybody that went. They just loved it. They couldn't get enough. But one, they had one at La Quinta in Palm Springs, and we ended up after everything about two o'clock in the morning, but at a, at a bar 
And it was Charlie Humphreys, Jerry Baldwin, Mark Cuban, and myself. And Mark Cuban spent about an hour and a half and maybe a, a whole package of napkins writing on these napkins what he was going to do and how he came up with it because he was a basketball fan and he had no way in Dallas to listen to the Indiana basketball game. <laughs> yeah. So yeah. He, he developed with his partner, Wagoner, a way that he could watch it on the internet. That's so and uh, and then he he formed uh, uh, he was going to own the internet radio marketplace, and then he sold it, you know, Yahoo. to Yahoo for a a, a big number. But uh, <laughs> but we we were there. We he he did the whole thing. Where where, including the ending. Okay, yeah. that was going to be it, and uh, it was really kind of fun, and we had to keep our mouth shut, but I think it's okay to talk about it now because, uh, you know. Oh yeah. So Dave, I want to, I want to wrap up a little bit, although I could talk to you for another five mm -hmm. hours. We'll, we'll do it again, but give us a picture of what you're doing now. I, and I want to give you the, 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 the microphone because it's so, it's so cool. It's so transformative. It's artistic and it has social impact and, and meaning. Well, um, I, I uh, uh, ACP actually uh, lasted for 42 years <laughs> and, and uh, I had several opportunities to kind of sell it and stuff, but eventually I just had to liquidate uh, and ship everything to China, which I did. And, and, uh, and then I, I and, and everything was fine. I, I uh, you know, had a great family, uh, you know, my kids are all taken care of, everything's cool. And uh, um, I was tired of playing golf and, uh, and I, uh, I went to a, uh, uh, a class by one of my mentors, uh, Abe Pildes at the Otis Art Institute and uh, and I've always been kind of a photographer. I wish I would have been more of a photographer, but I've always been carrying a camera around with me. And uh, uh, so I took, he had a class uh, on street photography and there were 14 people signed up and we only went to Otis Art Institute once. And then the next uh, 12 weeks, we met every Saturday at a different location in Los Angeles area, from Venice to Santa Monica to Skid Row to, and uh, he 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 got me to really see through the lens and uh, and and uh, the very first uh, session we went to Ninth and Broadway, which is very popular, the, the Central Markets on Broadway. It's a nice place to walk. There's there's everything from architecture to pretty women or whatever. And, but he said, he told us, okay, if you go this way, you can shoot art. If you go this way, you can shoot Disney hall. And if you go this way, you're going to go to Skid Row. So I was the only one in the class that went to Skid Row. 
And I never came back until they're all long gone and it was 6.30 at night. And, uh, and I just kind of had to touch myself. It was like unbelievable. I mean, you, when you sit down and you really relate with some, somebody that's a part of our humanity and it gets in you, and that's a big mistake that people are making when they walk by, you know, they should, they should really kind of walk with and try to help these people because that'll give them the encouragement to try something new. And I've seen it now. So it's been almost uh, well four and a half years. Dude, that's fantastic. Dave, thanks. Thanks a ton. Good catching up. Tell All your right. wife I said hello too. Thanks, Keith. Peace, my brother. Check out articles, podcasts, and subscribe and share at www.newmanmediastudios.com.